You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, good morning. How are you today? I'm uh, excited about today. I think this whole series is just going to be life-changing if you allow it. We had a great service last week on Easter, and, you know, a big part of uh, being a part of, of a growing community, a healthy, spiritually growing community, is that we engage with those that visit and get them back because I believe this is a healthy place to grow and to know about God. So if you brought someone last week, keep bringing them, keep reaching out to them, keep calling them. Today, we're going to take that next step into understanding and knowing who God is. And we're going to talk about Jesus. I am, he said, the bread of life. Now, I don't know about you, but I love bread. And uh, man, I love going to Kroger's particularly, and I actually picked up this bread this morning. It is fresh bread, and I was wondering yesterday if they actually make bread on Sunday mornings, and they do. They're making bread in there, and uh, and they throw it in a big tub. <laughs> it's like right off the shelf, and uh, oh, man, I just love bread. Anybody here love bread? Mm. I love the smell of bread. Uh, I love going through the bread section. Now, some of you guys, you can't eat bread. You've chosen not to eat bread, but indulge with me this morning about the pleasures of bread. There's something about the smell, the texture, everything about bread. I love bread, and maybe that's why I love donuts, because it has another one of my favorite ingredients, sugar, uh, with what it pretends to be bread. Um, I love fresh bread, and, and bread is interesting. Bread has all kinds of terms that maybe you've heard as bread is being called uh, money, right? You're going to make some bread. Anybody made called bread? Anybody old enough to remember bread being called money? Money being called bread, rather, not the other way around. I should not have taken that bite. Fresh bread. French bread, chewy. Give me a, Give me 30 minutes. You can also, maybe you've heard of the word breadwinner, right? The breadwinner, that's the person who's bringing home the bacon. Uh, the breadwinner, the bread, making the money, making the bread. Um, also, you can, if you have a skill or a talent and you're making money on it, you might be, this might be your bread and butter. Have you ever heard of that? Maybe that skill, that ability, this is my bread and butter. This is my ability. This is my, this is how I, you know, make my bread, <laughs> Well, today we're going to talk about bread, the power of bread. Jesus said in John six thirty five, he said, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, I read this and I think, so Jesus is a fluffy, delicious, sesame seed-covered slice of buttered bread. No, that's not what he's saying, is it? Jesus is actually saying something that is is incredibly life-changing and profound. If you will hear this today, in fact, Jesus later on says that if you get what he's about to say today, then it shows that you are, if you get and do, this then shows that you are the fathers, that you belong to the Father. This is what it came from. In John chapter 6, John, the apostle, one of the, one of the closest friends of Jesus, he wrote the last gospel. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is the last gospel written, and it has things in it that none of the other gospels have. It's also the longest. It has more of his teachings. It has uh, more insight. It has a little bit more background stories that the other Gospels do not have. And in John, he writes seven I am statements of Jesus. And that's where we're going to be in the next month and a half. And that is we're going to talk about these seven I am. We kicked it off last week with I am the resurrection and life. This week, I am statement number two, I am the bread of life. Now, the backstory behind that statement is real important. So if you want to go home this week and read the entire chapter 6, that would be great. Here's a little flyover of the event. In John chapter 6, verse 1 through 14, Jesus does something that some of you probably have heard about. He feeds the masses with a few barley loaves and a couple of fish. He feeds 
5,000 men, not including women and children. So there could have been anywhere from 12 to 15,000 people that Jesus took a handful of bread and a few loaves of fishes, a few pieces of fishes, a few fish, and he blessed it and fed thousands and thousands of people. Now the crowds immediately thought, this is the guy who's going to change the world. We should make him king. That kind of power, nobody will be hungry. He can take over kingdoms. So they began to call for him to be king. Well, the Bible says he slipped away. Now to help you to understand the idea of bread, uh, I asked somebody to explain for you. Uh, maybe you've heard of Alton Brown from uh, the Food Network. He's actually going to take a minute to tell you a little bit about the value of bread in the time of Jesus. So check this out. Although it's been said that man cannot live by bread alone, with the exception of feasts and other special celebrations where meat was served, that is exactly what most poor Jews did during the time of Christ. Now, a lot of different grains were were grown for baking in the Middle East, but common folks lived on barley bread, okay? Barley is, is hardy. It can tolerate a wide range of climatic conditions, and it yields well, which is why poor people planted it. Now, if you read John 6, you'll see that the uh, five loaves that Jesus used to feed the multitudes were, uh, were barley loaves. And according to our research, this is uh, what those loaves looked like. First, you have to grind the grain into meal or flour. Now, every morning, except on the Sabbath, uh, the woman of the house would rise and grind by hand for a couple of hours. If a fine bread for guests uh, was desired, it could take twice as long. Good for upper body development, by the way. Luckily, uh, we have mechanical means to do this kind of thing. After uh, grinding or milling, the meal was then kneaded with water, some salt, and a little piece of uh, dough held out from the uh, day before. Uh, This would be full of natural uh, yeast that could multiply and give off uh, carbon dioxide, thus raising or or leavening the bread. Now, uh, we don't have access to those particular yeast cultures, and our commercial yeasts are specifically bred to dine on wheat. So what we uh, are going to do is add a shot of barley syrup to this mix just to give those little bugs a boost, so to speak. After mixing, the uh, dough would have to be kneaded until it was completely smooth. This will take about, I don't know, 30 or 45 minutes. But hey, when I'm done, I'll have finished my ab work for the day as well as my cardio. After kneading, the dough was covered and set in a warm spot to rise for a few hours. Then it was typically shaped into loaves, 7 inches long by 3 inches wide and about an inch thick. Next up, baking. Uh, Now, most ovens uh, back then were jar-type or bowl ovens, which we have replicated with an upside-down flower pot with the bottom cut out. Now, the fire was set down inside, made up of uh, twigs, grass, dung, sometimes anything flammable. We opted for charcoal, all out of dung. Um, When the uh, ceramic walls were good and hot, say um, around 600 degrees, the uh, dough was moistened and then slapped right onto the walls of the cooker. I don't know if they had any big red gloves, but they sure do help. Here we go. Let's push it right onto the wall. All right, when they were done, uh, generally the bread would either fall off of the side of the oven or the baker would just kind of knock it off right into the fire, right on top of the coals where it would finish browning. So, here we have five humble but tasty barley Bible loaves. Oh, and of course, uh, a couple of fish just to complete the platter there. You know, this type of nourishment can only keep the human body going. To keep the human soul going, well, that requires a very uh, different kind of feed. Bryant, that one's up to you. Me, I'm going to go find some butter. I think he got my name wrong. I called me Bryant. That's okay, Alton. I, that's all right. I forgive you. 
Hey, uh, actually, uh, I came across this video. I thought, man, this is perfect. Um, this video shows how long it takes to make bread, the value of their bread, the importance of their bread, and how Jesus took those five barley and what would take a day or a half a day to prepare, make, and set, Jesus did miraculously in moments. Now, I've actually cut some of this French bread, and uh, I want to pass it around. I'm going to start over here. If you want some, awesome. If you don't, just, you know, awesome too. Just kind of pass it around. Uh, you know, if you're not a crust eater, you don't have to eat the crust, but don't leave it on the floor, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over here. I want you guys to, to take a piece of bread and indulge with me this morning some bread, okay? Now, Jesus said in John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Now, he had just fed 5,000 plus people. And then immediately after this, Jesus slips away into the silence of, of the evening. Uh, that next morning, his disciples, not knowing where Jesus was, but knowing that Jesus said, go to Capernaum, got into their boat and began to cross that Sea of Galilee to go to the city of Capernaum. Well, while they were in the middle of that uh, sea, that little, that little um, Sea of Galilee, that, 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 that sea, a storm came, and maybe you've heard the story of Jesus walking on water. That's where Jesus walked on water. He shows up, walks under the bay, uh, boat, and says, hey, guys, it's cool. I'm here. And immediately they were on the shore in Capernaum. Now, when the crowd woke up the next day, they were expecting to find the head chef Jesus there again, but he wasn't there. So they all, by the hundreds, and it is assumed that even thousands, because there were 5,000 plus that he fed, that thousands of people hopped in boats and traveled over to Capernaum. So what we're about to see are thousands of people chasing and pursuing, tracking down and trying to find Jesus. So they find him in Capernaum and they corner him. And this is where we're going to pick it up in John six twenty-five. All right. This is what he says. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Basically, where have you been? We're hungry. Why did you leave us? Jesus answered very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I was performed. You, you, you're not coming to me because the miracles that you see reveal God to you. He says, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. It says, and now you want more. He says, you're coming to me for the freebies. Basically, you're tracking me down just so that you can get more stuff from me. He says, verse 27, do not work for that, for that, uh, don't, do not work for what spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. I want you to write this down. I'm going to give you a few sometimes, things that happen in life. Sometimes, number one, I want you to realize that sometimes people look for Jesus for the wrong reasons. Sometimes people look for Jesus for the wrong reasons. Some want more food. They want more stuff. They want more things. They want more clothes. They want a better job. They want better possessions. They want the things that can spoil and break. Jesus, you fed me once. You made me feel better once. You seemed to answer my prayers before. So here I am. Give me. Give me, give me. We so often labor for food and for self. Now, they chased Jesus down, and they treated Jesus not like the bread of life, but they chased him down, and they treated him like... A vending machine. Now, you might think, man, a Twix is kind of like a, it's kind of like bread, right? It's got a cookie inside. <laughs> this, is my, this is my meal. Candy bars are meals for some of you. Well, they thought, Jesus, you're the vending machine. You're the guy that if we, if we come to you, say the right prayer, do the right thing, push the right buttons, pull the lever, boom, Jesus, I want what you're serving. We often chase the wrong things and we try to use Jesus to get them. Jesus, this is all that you are to some people in this room as you are someone to get stuff from. 
Some of you will gladly tell someone you're a Christian if it might mean a raise, if it might mean a position at an interview. You use Jesus to get what you want or to fix your problems. Jesus is about to tell them there's only one thing that, that will satisfy you, and it's not the things that you're pursuing or even looking for me to fulfill. The only thing that will fulfill is just me. He's about to tell them. Verse 28, he says, Then they asked him, well, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And we'll then give it to us. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. Jesus says, you want to know what God wants? You want to know where the answers and the fulfillment of life is? He says, it starts right here with this, me. It starts with me. Trust in me. Verse 30, he says, so they asked him, well, what sign would you give us that we may see and believe you? It's like, all right, I'm thinking, what they, they, if you read the story before, the crowd gathered because they had seen and heard of his miracles of healing the sick. So the crowd gathers because they saw many of them and heard of his miracles of raising the dead and healing the sick. And then Jesus feeds them out of a handful of bread and fish. He feeds thousands and then they're going, okay, all right, so you're the meaning of life. You're the answer. You're the, you're the answer. Give us a miracle to prove it. I'm like, what? What has he been doing? If you don't get it, you're not going to get it. Verse 31, he says, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Man, when you're quoting scripture to Jesus, that's just stupid. You know, Jesus is the word made flesh. And not only were they quoting scriptures to Jesus, but they were misquoting scriptures to Jesus. They were basically saying that Moses gave them manna in heaven so that they would follow Moses. Well, let me tell you a little bit about manna. Manna, uh, you see it in all through Exodus, but you hear the story in Exodus 16. Basically, manna is balls of bread. I'm going to throw this out there, so be aware. That ball, (laughs) Stephen, open your mouth, bro. Here we go. Oh, not even close. (laughs) Open your mouth, Brayson. (laughs) All right, here we go. All right, did you catch it? All right, well, I'm not going to throw another one just in case. Well, maybe maybe I will. All right. (laughs) Basically, manna was balls of bread that fell out of the sky. See, when they were wandering around the, the, the desert, basically, they got hungry and they said, Moses, you're trying to kill us. We have no food. Well, God began to drop birds out of the sky and he dropped bread out of the sky. This bread is called manna. You know what manna literally means? It means what is it? It's the original wonder bread. It is the bread that I wonder what it is. <laughs> you know? We're looking at it and it would fall and basically they were, collect, they were to collect the bread for the day. They weren't to save any of it because if they saved anything, it would rot immediately overnight. That's how fresh it was. God says, you need to trust me for your daily bread. You know, we pray the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. There's a connection there with the manna. There's this sense that God is providing for us daily. So this manna would come down and basically they would say, Moses gave them manna so they would follow. And Jesus says, eh, wrong. Man, you're so wrong. These balls of bread, this what is it, this mystery food, your half-baked ideas are so off. He says in verse 32, he says, Verily I say to you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. He says, man, what you saw was not, first of all, from Moses, it was from God. I want you to write this down, that sometimes people know the Bible and will see God work miracles and still miss it. There are some of you, you've grown up in church, man, you've seen God work, you've seen God move, and you still are not a true follower of Jesus. Some of you, you've prayed and God has come through because he's faithful. And you still are doing your own thing. Whether you're an adult or a young person, there are some people, they know the Bible, man, they can quote the Bible. You know what? 
lot of atheists know the Bible very well. They know it very well. In fact, when I talk to atheists, they are often quoting the Bible to me because they have questions about this, what is it? You see, to someone who doesn't know true life, they might look at Jesus and go, what is it? They might look at the word of God and go, what is it? Because there are some people that just will miss it no matter what. They knew the scripture. They saw Jesus do miracles and still did not understand who and what God was doing. And that's the same for some of you. Verse 33 says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. God gave you manna, but today I'm giving you a new life-giving bread. He says, and they said, sir, always give us this bread. They're like, give me some of that. They're whatever it is, Jesus, that you're talking about, we want it. See, they still did not get it because they were wanting stuff. They were wanting things. They were wanting things to satisfy themselves. Jesus responded. He says, you want to know where it is? You're looking at it. This is what he says. And this is the context of verse 35 where he says, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. These words have the potential to change your life. In an unsatisfying world, Jesus says, I am the bread. I am the provider. I am what you crave. Now, let's talk a little bit about why he chose bread. Why bread? Well, in our culture, bread is an option for meals. It's something that we might or might not. When I grew up, almost every meal had a slice of bread with it. Anybody with me on that? I grew up a little bit up north. and It was like we had, you know, my mom had this like southern cooking, but it was more, it's not like the south, like Texas. Southern cooking to us was like Tennessee and Kentucky. That's where she grew up. So it was like lots of gravies and skillet fried stuff, you know, health foods. And um, we always had a slice of bread with our meals, right? I mean, and, and no matter how big the meal was, there was always a roll or a slice of bread, even if it was just a bread right out of the wrapper. And uh, because there was a sense that, that we love that bread, but it's an option for our meals, isn't it? Now, in the Middle East today, it is, it is a staple of every single meal. You cannot go anywhere in the Middle East and not have bread as part of every single meal. Now, if you go to Asia, the staple of every meal is rice, which is going to be this sense in even some parts of South America. Rice is a major staple for the meal. So when we are talking about bread, I want you to know that in the Mediterranean culture in which Jesus came from, bread in the time of Christ was essential and was in most often cases the meal itself. Like Alton Brown had said earlier, this was, this was not just a part of the meal. It was the most important aspect of their nutrition. The bread meant life to them. Bread is the wonder food. Fresh bread is, is, is considered one of the most superior forms of vitamins and nutritions that we can get that has been made. Now, bread at their time was considered the most valuable thing that they ever put inside of their mouth and stomach. So when Jesus says, I am the bread, he is not saying, I am, I am an optional addition to your life, but the essential for nourishment and need of your life. It's no mistake, by the way, the word Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, you know what the word Bethlehem means? It means city of bread. Jesus was born in the city of bread to be the bread of life for those that will believe. And it's more than just believe because he actually says here in a minute, one of the most controversial, offensive things in the entire Bible. So verse 36, says, said, but I told you, you have seen me and still you don't believe. He says, you still don't get it. You're chasing the wrong things. You're missing the point of me. Some of you still can't get who Jesus is. Jesus then says, where to find this bread and what to do with it. This is what he says, verse 37. 
all those the Father gives will come to me. If you desire to know Jesus, it's only because the Father has called you. If you have any desire to listen today, if there's anything inside of you that says, listen, it's only because the Father is calling you. No one can want to know Jesus unless the Father gives them permission. He says, and whoever comes to me, who responds by faith, he says, I will never drive away. I will receive you. I will not reject you. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those who he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. He says, man, I'll never let you go. See, Jesus says something real important here. I'm just going to fly over this, but this is, this is heavy. He says this. Jesus gives a very powerful statement. He says, God draws, we respond, God saves, God keeps. He says, you know what? If you want to know me, it's only because the Father has called you. And if you respond to that, God will save you, rescue you, I will receive you, and I will keep you. And nothing Nothing will come between us. I will never let you down. Verse 40 says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son believes in Him. If you look to Him, you will have eternal life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. One of the great statements of Scripture right there. He says, Anyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. One of the great, one of the great words of Scripture. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about Him. They're saying, uh, you said you're the bread and you came down from heaven. I'm like, what? what? Man, if I Jesus, I just want to slap him. I mean, he just said one of the most profound statements in the entire New Testament. I am the bread. Receive me. You will have eternal life. And they go, wait, you just called yourself bread? Hello, do you not? You're missing the point here is what he's saying. He said, you don't understand, but I guess the father has not called you. Hasn't picked you. If I were Jesus, man, I'd just, man, forget you guys. But he didn't. This is what he said. They said, is it not true, Jesus? They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? I mean, we knew Jesus when he was this little. Man, we, man, we used, man, my daughter used to babysit Jesus. And now he says he's the bread of life. I know his parents. We play poker on Friday nights. They're like, come on, Jesus, really? He says, I know his mother and father. How can he say I came down from heaven? And Jesus says, stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, no one can come to me unless the father sent me, who sent me, draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. He says that again. He says, if you don't get it, (laughs) it's okay, because God doesn't want you. God is not moving on your heart if you don't get this. It's a word to you today. If you don't get this, God's not moving on your heart. It is written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Talking about himself. I'm teaching you now. Guess what? This is God standing before you. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. He says, do you hear it? No one has seen the Father except the one who is from the Father. Only he has seen the Father. He says, I am God in the flesh. God is the bread of life. I am that bread from heaven. Verse 47, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which everyone may eat. And no, he says, man, this is a greater than the what is it? This is the, you know it. This is right here. I'm right in front of you. He says, you think manna was cool? Everyone who ate manna is dead right now. But anyone who will eat of this new bread will live forever. They will never die. Then Jesus says one of the most offensive, confusing things in the Bible. Jesus says, verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread, he says, is my flesh, which I will Give for the life of the world. He's talking about his cross that he is to bear. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus is calling us to be cannibals. Really? I want you to write this down. Number three, sometimes the Bible is offensive and confusing. 
Sometimes you'll read the Bible and you're like, I don't know about that, God. I don't understand that. That is so offensive. That is so wrong. That doesn't seem right. At first glance, the Bible is sometimes weird. Sometimes you look at it, but Jesus says you need to read with spiritual eyes. You need to read differently than you read other books, the Bible. He says, verse 53, he says, Jesus said, Verily, I tell you the truth. Truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He says, now, <laughs> he says, you're going to be dead in spirit and dead in the afterlife unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Unless you become a cannibal and a vampire, you won't have eternal life. That's what they're thinking. Jesus is, is just weirding out here. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Jesus is not suggesting that you make a Jesus sandwich. He is not actually calling us to eat his body and blood. Now, some religions, some Christian groups actually take that literally and they will, for instance, maybe you grew up Catholic in the Catholic church. When you take communion, when you take the Eucharist, uh, you're not to chew on that wafer because they believe that when that wafer hits your lips, it actually becomes the literal blood of Jesus. It's transformed miraculously into Jesus' body and you're not to chew it because it's it's sacrilegious to chew on the flesh of Jesus. And that wine, when they serve communion, actually becomes the, the very blood of Jesus Christ. So for Mass in the Catholic Church and in the Orthodox Church, it is very meaningful for them because they see it as a literal change, a miracle that happens every time you take communion. Well, I don't believe the Bible says that. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying. But some have taken that to the, to the literal extent, and actually are eating and drinking what they believe is the blood of Jesus. He goes on to say, he says, Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on him will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your ancestors ate man and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue. That means in Capernaum in the synagogue. That means it was to a Jewish crowd, and they all thought he was crazy. Verse 60 says, well, some of you might go, I don't like that. That that just sounds weird. I, well, neither did some of his disciples because in verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard. Who can accept it? This is hard teaching. Uh, We can't avoid the hard words. We can't avoid the hard teachings because what Jesus is about to say, what he's really saying here is really hard to believe, hard to understand, and hard to to obey. Verse 61, he says, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said, does this offend you? Then what if the son of man ascends to where he was before? He said, what if, if this is going to bother you, two things are going to happen. I'm just going to leave. And what's the point? And I'm just going to fly away. Maybe you'll believe then. He goes, but then the spirit gives life. And he says, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. He says, man, you've got to read this and see this and understand and hear this with spiritual eyes. Three hard things Jesus is saying here real quick. The first thing, he says, man, I'm the bread of heaven. I am here from heaven. The first thing Jesus is saying, he says, I am the essential to life and the satisfaction to your greatest desires. He says, man, everything that you're looking for is found in me. Your deepest cravings are found right here with me. He says, man, it's not about a deepest craving for something. He says, your deepest craving is for someone. He says, this is not an issue of an empty belly. This is an issue of an empty spirit. And he says, there's going to come a time when you need to realize that you can pursue everything in this world You can pursue friends and relationships and clothes and success, education. You can pursue sports. He says, but everything will spoil, rot away, pass away. You can pursue perfect health, but you will still die. 
You can pursue wealth and riches and they will be wasted away. You can pursue possessions and they will all break and decay. He says, but I, I am the thing that you truly crave. Look to me as the number one essential of your life because without me, you'll always be hungry inside. You'll always be trying to fill it with something. But without me, you'll always be hungry. Let me tell you something. Nothing satisfies more than the bread of life. We are to savor him. We are to depend on him. We are to enjoy him and know that he is nourishing us. Jesus alone can fulfill our desires. Jesus says, I am what you seek. I am what you're looking for. I am what you crave. I am what you desire. In a satisfying, in an unsatisfying world, I am the satisfier. The second thing he says that's hard maybe to grasp, he says, eat my flesh and live. Drink my blood and live forever. That's the second thing he says. He says, take me in by faith and consume what I have for you. He says, man, I am your lifeline now and forever. He says, don't just nibble on me, consume me. Don't just, don't just take a little piece of me and try me out. Rely on me, live in me. Let me get in your system. Let me get in your life by faith. You know, as a kid, sometimes your parents fix your food you don't care for. As a husband, sometimes your wife fixes your food. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, was a, that was a joke. Come on. And, and so, you're like, whoa. Uh, my wife and I, we joke around like that. She's a great cook most of the time. She's a great cook. And actually, she's a, she loves to try to keep us healthy. So she actually stays away from the breads. Um, but sometimes when I was a kid, you know, your mom put your food down because, you know, experimenting. And sometimes guys, same thing. You cook and it doesn't work out. You go to a restaurant and immediately you try something and you like grab your napkin, you chew it uh-uh, and you put it in your napkin and you hide it or you drop it on the floor for the dog or somebody and the dog runs off or he's got diarrhea after that. You never know. But the point is, is that sometimes we do the same thing with Jesus. We chew on Jesus a while and then we spit him into the napkin. Some of you here today chewing on Jesus. Some of you today, or you got the bread, and you're like, oh, this is nice, this is cute, but tomorrow, he's not in you. He's not consuming you. You're not consuming him. He's not in your system of life. He's not, he's not pulsating through the veins of who you are. You've just chewed on him and spit him into the napkin, and you think that you're done. You think you're good. You think you're covered but he's not inside. Seeing a loaf on a plate will not satisfy you. Knowing the ingredients will not satisfy you. Pictures of bread on your walls and on your mugs and in your bedroom will not satisfy you. Telling others about how good the bread is will not satisfy you. Selling it, talking about it, and sharing bread will not satisfy you. Playing with it will not satisfy you. Only the one who eats the bread will be satisfied. Jesus says, anything short of consuming me and letting me get completely inside of you and the way you do life will leave you hungry. Anything short of eating my flesh and drinking my blood will leave you hungry. Here's the third thing he said. He says, only those the Father calls will receive and understand this. And this is, he says, you know you are the fathers if you embrace me. Very simple. Jesus is clearly saying, you might miss or understand this, but if you're mine, if you're mine, you'll understand this and you will do this. Very simple. Some of you are like, I don't know if I'm ready. Well, if you're his, you will. This is what he says in verse 64. It says, yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. 
he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. He draws you. He saves you. He keeps you. Hard words, a hard challenge, hard to believe, hard to accept. But God enables you. Jesus is everything you need and asks for everything you have. He says, if you want to be a part of me, I must get inside of your system. Everything about you has got to be about me. You've got to consume me. And if you do, you'll have life. Verse 66, it's all or nothing. It's sink or swim. It's followers step aside. Verse 66, he says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It's like, Jesus, whoa, I'm just in it for the bread, man. I'm not into this whole cannibal stuff. And those that maybe knew what he was talking about, I'm not in, I'm not ready, Jesus, to to leave everything for you. I'm not ready to let go of some of the things that I like to do that when you get inside of me, you're not going to want. Some of you are chewing on the bread. And unfortunately, some will turn back. If I were Jesus, I'd be like, whoa, 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 Jesus, regroup, regroup. Come on back here, come on. Jesus, you need to be a little bit more seeker-friendly. You stop saying it's all or nothing. Jesus, you need to stop saying eat my flesh and drink my blood. That just is, we get it, Jesus, but it's just weird. You're losing people. Come on now, Jesus. But Jesus never misspoke. He never said things by accident. He never let it slip. Jesus is God. He always got it right. And still some left. Some just will not believe. And this is, I want you to write this down, that sometimes people just don't stick around. Sometimes people just don't follow Jesus. Sometimes people start off great. Last week, we had a great number of people who said yes to Jesus. Man, it was exciting. And we're going to work on, on encouraging that growth and, and, uh, and, and maturing them. But you know what? There's some people that just... They just, they're just, they just don't stick around because they came for the bread. They came to chew and they spit it in the napkin and he's not inside. I see it all the time, man. I, I was, you know, I've been in, in ministry now for nearly 24 uh, years in ministry in full time for 22. And I've led a lot of people to Christ. And a lot of those people today are not living for Jesus. They're not Christians. And I can't, I don't know if they ever were. I don't know if they backslid. I don't know if they're going to come back. I don't know. I see people in our church and I, they just don't make it. I'm thinking, Jesus, I, I, can I do anything different? Now, there's probably things we could do to help mature people, but ultimately it's Jesus who through the Father moves on a heart and he's the one that keeps them and enables them and draws them. And some people just don't follow Jesus. You see, this is what some people have. I have... The phony Wonder Bread, the fake Wonder Bread. This is Wonder Bread. This is enriched, that means fake, uh, white, that means bleached, bread. Now, some of you, you might like Wonder Bread. You like, you like the flavor. You like the feel. It's, it's like eating a mattress. It's like it's so soft. It's so fluffy. But you know what it has in it? It has dough conditioners. It has preservatives. It has added sugars. It has artificial flavors. Some of you have left the Wonder Bread for Wonder Bread. You have left the true living life satisfier and you filled your life with preservatives. You filled your life with the phonies. You, you filled your life with the stuff that feels good. And then, you know, uh, Wyatt in youth group a few weeks ago, he brought garlic bread potato chips. There's nothing further from bread than garlic bread potato chips. And guess what they tasted like? Garlic bread. It was amazing. Now, this is pizza Pringles because nothing says fresh, fresh baked pizza like potato chips, like Pringles chips. And I think this is what some of you have. You, you are satisfying yourself on the sugars, on, on the complete, not even close to Jesus life, 
But you go through the system on the outside, you attend church, and some of you, you're doing your best, you want the real thing, you're eating a lot of bread, but it's not healthy. And Jesus is saying, it's time, it's time to get the real thing. Some have a form of bread, but lack the power of the bread. Eventually you realize that it's unsatisfying and two things will happen. Eventually you understand that if you live your Christian life on the fake stuff, eventually you'll be so unsatisfied with Jesus that you will never be back. And that happens a lot of times because a lot of people, they give their life to Jesus. They're pursuing Jesus for the wrong reasons and they don't have the real bread. They have the wonder, the fake wonder. But some of you, there's another option that is you'll get so unsatisfied with the fake stuff, you'll be so unsatisfied with being a fake that one day you'll want the real thing. And I pray that today is that day for some of you that you decide to get the fresh bread and leave the wonder, the fake bread, and get the real wonder bread. Verse 67, we're going to wrap it up with this. He turns to his closest disciples and he says, You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12, and Simon answered, Lord, to who shall we go? Where are we going to go, Jesus? We left everything. Where are we going to go? Who are we going to go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. He says, Jesus, they're saying, man, we don't always understand what you're trying to say. We don't always get what you're trying to do, but we understand this, Jesus. Our life makes sense with you. You're all we need. You satisfy our heart. You are the bread that fills our spirit. God, we don't get everything, but we understand you're the bread. Now, this is the last thing I want you to write this down, is that sometimes trusting Jesus is all you have. Sometimes that's all you have. When life is hard, sometimes faith in Jesus is all you have. When life doesn't make a whole lot of sense, when God doesn't make a whole lot of sense, trusting Jesus is all you have. Jesus is the bread. When you're sick, Jesus is the bread. When you're confused, Jesus is the bread. When it seems like no one in your life is living for Jesus, but you, Jesus, is the bread. He is the all-satisfying Christ. Trust and follow what the world offers, you get what the world offers, and it will leave you hungry. Trust and follow the bread of life, and you get what the bread of life offers, and you will never Psalm 34.8 simply says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So Jesus says in John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. At his last meal with them, he broke the bread and he says, This is my body that is broken for you. And he blessed it and they ate it. Then he poured the wine that they had into glasses and he poured it and he says, this is my blood which will be poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. He says, here, drink it. When we take communion, we remember that experience. But ultimately, the picture is, Jesus says, get me inside of you, consume me, and I will consume you. And you will have life and you will never be hungry again. I want to pray with you today. Maybe you're here today and you you don't know what you're craving. You just got a hole inside. Jesus says, come to me and take a bite. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are good, you're faithful, and uh, Lord, you are with us here today. And uh, Lord, I pray the God, that you would help us to understand that you are the bread of life, Lord, that you offer the real thing. And God, I know that there's some people here that do not have the real thing. God, that they do not have the bread of life, Lord. They have the fluff. They have 
a fake life. They're, they put on on the outside an image that they have got this, but inside they're still hungry, and it's because they haven't truly consumed Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you a chance to ask yourself, have you eaten the body of Jesus? Have you drank his blood? Have you truly received who he is fully and wholly into your system and into your life? Have you received the fullness of the blood of Jesus into your life? Have you truly understood that he is the essential number one life satisfier? And apart from him, you'll always be hungry. I want to pray for you. If that's you today, let me pray for you right now. Jesus, God, you know who they are. You see them in this room. You see our hearts. You see our craving. You see our emptiness, God. You see, God, so many people here are looking, so many people in life, so many people at work, so many people on this planet are looking and pursuing and chasing and craving so many things, but Jesus, you are the only satisfaction in this life. God, Mick Jagger had it right when he said, I can't find no satisfaction, but God, Jesus trumps it with the one who is the satisfier. This world cannot satisfy us. If you're here today and you'd be honest with yourself, I'm craving, I need, I need more of Jesus. I, I'm tired of being a fake. I'm, I'm tired of sitting on the edge, pretending to be something that I'm not. I, or, or, or maybe you're just hungry and finally you realize that Jesus is that answer to that craving. I want to lead you in a, in a very simple prayer. And I want us to pray this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your poured out blood. I receive that. Forgive me of my sin. Consume my life. And I will consume you, Jesus. And I know, Jesus, you will never, ever let me go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.